What, let me ask you a question this morning. What, what kind of comes to your mind when you think of the word evangelism? <laughs> Do some of these things come to mind, like uh, maybe the guy with the speakerphone shouting to someone across the street? Maybe you've had experiences like that. Does it remind you of church slogans like this? Turn or burn to get someone's attention. I did not take that picture down the road, I promise. I found that on the website, okay. Or what about the crazy guys that have a sign that says repent or go to hell, okay? Because we have these floating around in our country and we have to ask ourselves, what are we learning about evangelism today? That you're either an outgoing super saint or you're just plain psycho. That's what we're kind of learning, aren't we? But neither is true. Most of us are not thrilled about evangelism um, or doing evangelism because of what we've been taught or what we've seen with our own eyes. Uh, when I became a new believer at the age of 21, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. He radically transformed me. I was just, woo, you know, let me go out and share the gospel. And so I read books on evangelism. I watched TV shows about evangelism. And I would just learn these new methods. I just put them into practice right away. I'd, I'd, walk, I'd, I'd do the confrontational one, right? When you walk up to a person and you're like, if you die tonight, where do you think you'll end up tomorrow morning? You know, like one of those kind of questions. Or the, the other method was kind of like, um, do you consider yourself a, to be a good person? And if they say no, you're supposed to say, well, you're supposed to say yes. And then you take them through the Ten Commandments, right? Um, and you say, you know, have you ever considered yourself, uh, or have you ever told a lie before? And you say yes, and you say, well, what does that make you? And you say a liar, and they say, um, have you ever, um, have you stolen anything before? Yes, what does that make you, a thief? And you take them through these Ten Commandments, and then you let them know how much they're a sinner so that you can bring them into the kingdom of God. And then the other type of method I learned too was like the track method, just pass out tracks like crazy. So I'd go, and so here's the thing, I learned all these methods, and I, and I was um, so passionate about it uh, that I would, I would take some friends, and they weren't my friends for very long after they saw what we did, but we would go to, like, the, the most busiest places we could find. The mall, Walmart. You know, Walmart's always crazy. And we'd go, and, and we would just start hitting up people left and right. And actually, before we'd leave, we'd, like, listen to some music, do some chest bumps, and really get ready and pumped up. Like, kind of this emotional, you know, building up to the point where we're just going to explode all over everybody just of our evangelism. And so we would just go crazy on people. And, and don't get me wrong, some of these things are, and, and those methods are just totally fine as well, um, except for the ones that we saw on the screen earlier. I think those could probably turn people away. But um, the thing is this, I, I would hear the latest method, and then I would hurry up to, to put it into practice. But I always had this nagging question. Am I really being effective for Jesus Christ and his kingdom? And I think... You know, again, some of those methods are fine, but I believe that evangelism is more natural than we think. And um, so that's why I want to teach you this seventh and, and final life shape today is the octagon, living a mission-minded life, okay? 
Here's some scriptures that remind us of how important evangelism is. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. What about be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation um, be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that, um, they may know how to, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Or what about always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Right, not with a big sign on it screaming at somebody with a microphone. <laughs> but I think there are three main reasons why we don't share our faith today. Let's see if this touches any of your nerves. I think one of them is that it's intimidating. It is very intimidating um, for most people to share their faith. Um, I think there's a, a, a strong fear of being rejected. Uh, or was this piece of person thinks I look like a crazy person, you know, by, by sharing my faith with them? I think there's, there's a lot of fear behind that. Very intimidating. I think another reason is, is that it's overwhelming. When we think about so many people um, who are lost, that you can just turn on the television and instantly see the mess that we are in as a country. And, and there's just so much going on. It, it, it's, it's almost like, where do I even begin? How do I even share? And then the last one is, is uh, another reason why we don't share our faith today. I think we're confused. <laughs> I, I think the body of Christ today is confused about evangelism. Because we're, we're, we're taught all these methods and we're saying, well, no, this is the only way to do it and then this is the only way to do it. And then we have wars about how we're bringing people to Christ. It's kind of silly, isn't it? But there's a lot of confusion today. So people are like, I don't even know how to share it. Well, I don't even know how to begin. So I probably just won't do it. But I'm going to ask you today to stop worrying about how others are doing it and we need to look at how Jesus did it, okay? Because... This is the total authority, and this is what we need to go to. So we're going to learn today about how Jesus taught his disciples and other believers um, um, and, and how to, to reach someone else uh, for, for his kingdom. So let's find out by turning to Luke chapter 10. I've got your Bibles with you here. should also have it up on the screen. I encourage you to bring um, the Word of God with you. Uh, there's just something special about really searching the Scriptures for yourself. And then also putting that into practice when you get home as well. Um, so I encourage you to do that. Um, I'm going to read out the NIV version. If you've got another version, great. That's all good. Um, we're going to read the first 11 verses, and then we're going to skip down to 16 and read 16 through 20. But let me read this to you here. Really allow this to sink in. It says, after, uh, verse 1 here in chapter 10 of Luke, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him, to every town and place where he was about to go. Okay? So these 72 others are just like the normal everyday believers, all right? This is us, all right? He says, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. I like that. Don't take anything yourself. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, even the dust um, 
even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. And um, some other verses uh, describes that as shaking the dust off your feet. Okay? Going down to verse 16, he who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. All right? The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I love that verse there. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Now, before we can even get to um, um, learning about how to go about sharing our faith, we cannot miss verse number 20 because it is going to fuel your evangelism. It's going to fuel how you are going to go about sharing your faith. Jesus says, okay, don't just try to chalk things up. Just kind of like even today when we, we chalk it up of how many we brought to the Lord or whatever and we brought to the Lord um, two people this year or five people or 20 people or whatever it may have been. And, we, and, we, and it's almost like, oh yeah, you know, um, look at me, I'm doing a good job. I'm a good Christian because I'm bringing this many people. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on a second. Rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. Rejoice in that. Because that's going to fuel you. It's all about the relationship with Jesus Christ and being able to be with Him for eternity. So that's going to fuel your passion for evangelism. Because once you get deep down inside of you that you are a child of God, that you have hope even in the midst of crisis, that you have hope even in, even in um, times of trials, that you have a Savior who has saved, saved you from hell, when that gets inside of you and when that creates a passion and stirs within you, evangelism is going to be a whole lot easier than it's been before. Okay? And we are called to do that. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. We are called to do that. Okay? So, in these, in these verses here, we see that there are three things that you need according to Jesus. All right? The first thing is, you need a team, all right? We see that right off the bat, um, that the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him. We see throughout the scriptures, Jesus is always pairing people up, sending them out in teams. We have allowed our individualistic society, we've allowed that individualism to creep into the church today. And so a lot of times when we think about evangelism, we always think about, well, just myself going out and doing this on my own. Well, Jesus teaches that you get a team and you get another person with you. Now, there will be times when you're uh, evangelizing by yourself, and that's all good, okay? It's not this wrong. It's just that Jesus taught that, that, there, that, that, uh, that you would have a team of people. And why? We know that in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, it says two are better than one because they have a good return for their work, okay? Uh, we're not told to go this alone. Get a team. This is what our clusters are all about isn't it? Because what we're doing is we're creating an environment, a mid-sized missional community that has a missional focus and that is going out as a team. Can you imagine, just imagine for a moment, and this is the beauty of our vision here, that we have 20 to 70 people in a cluster going out, let's say, to target the homeless, 
do you know how effective we can be together? Or the families that, that, that um, the family focus group here that, that would have um, um, a, a food pantry set up and that um, we are able to continue to um, supply that time and time, week after week after week, and then be able to provide families with food that are in need. Can you imagine those that are in the High Point cl um, cluster there in um, um, Mosaic, sorry, about them. Mosaic, I mean, think about um, the, the, the teams that support each of their ministries within it, whether it be Leslie's House, whether it be um, um, what's the um, House of Prayer, uh, whether it be whatever it may be within that group, that they support one another and they go out and they make a difference. And two are much better than one, isn't it? Twenty is much better than one. Fifty is incredible, you know? I mean, think about what we can do with the youth when, when that gets up and kicking of how we, we're able to then form uh, uh, the, the youth culture today and be able to target these teens that are turning away from the church. I mean, what can we do? We, can, it's, it's, we need a team. And I think people are running away from evangelism, sharing their faith, mainly because they're scared to death to do it alone. And it can be scaring, scared, uh, scary to do that. But to have another teammate makes it even more powerful. And so we're creating those environments for you to do that. Here at each four of these clusters, one of them you can get plugged into to make a difference for someone's life for eternity. So Jesus says you need a team. And he not, not always said that, but he also said, you know, you need to recognize the time. Because it says here that the harvest, in verse 2, he told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. All right? The farmers know when the harvest is coming, but they don't, um, they don't gather the crops ahead of time, do they? It wouldn't be the right time. We've got to recognize the time to do this, and that's being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. All right? So we need, uh, you need a team, you need to recognize the time, and we also need a target, and this is where we're going to get into our life shape here. You need a target. Um, it's interesting that Jesus says this in verse 4 through 7. He says, Do not take a purse or, or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. Did that just shock you? Have you guys ever like read that verse before? Don't greet anyone on the road. Whoa, wait a second, Jesus. We're talking about go make disciples of all nations. You know, hey, we're supposed to reach everyone, right? He says, no, stay focused here. He says, verse 5, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. It says, don't move around from house to house. Don't get sidetracked with the people on the side of the road. Stay focused. Here's what I want you to do. Uh, I mean, he also says, says that in, um, uh, in Matthew chapter 10, uh, having a focus there, having a target, Jesus sends out the 12, the 12 disciples. Now, we're talking about the 72 here, but Jesus sent out the 12, and he gave them these instructions. The instructions, do not go among the Gentiles or, any, or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Now, it was that at that time, and then later on we see that Paul and Peter are involved in, in getting um, to the Gentiles, but, but at that specific time, Jesus had a target. This is who I want you to target, all right? So, our number one target for sharing the gospel, as we see here in, um, in verses 5 through 6, is the person of peace. 
When you enter a house, first say, Peace is house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. We need to focus on the person of peace. The person of peace is the one who the Holy Spirit has prepared for us ahead of time to hear the message of the kingdom and the king, the person of peace. How do you recognize a person of peace? Well, it shows us right here in verses 8 through 11. We see that they welcome you. you enter a town and are welcome to eat what is set before you. If you're not welcome, shake the dust off your feet and move on, right? How do you recognize a person of peace? They listen to you. In verse 16, we see that he who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me, but he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. So they'll listen to you. And then uh, how do we recognize a person of peace? They welcome you, they listen to you, and they support you. We see in verse 7 that it says that um, um, stay in that house eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. So they welcome you, they listen to you, they support you. Basically, find the person who is open to you, open um, to hearing about Jesus Christ, because if the person is closed, we need to move on. Okay, and you may say, whoa, whoa, wait, hold on a second. Uh, think about Luke 15, and we got, you know, Jesus even said uh, to leave the 99 to go after that one. We also got to understand, though, he's talking about those that were already a part of the family of God, the sheep that have wandered astray, or he wouldn't have called them sheep. Now, the thing is this, uh, Jesus, we even see, uh, does this ma- in, in Mark chapter 10, I want you to check this out real quick, because this will open your eyes to some, some new insight here. Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. The, the rich young man, all right? As Jesus started on his way in verse 17 here, Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Remember the story? Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. I love that part. He looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. So this guy runs up to him, this, this young man runs up to him. What must I do to be saved? And then Jesus tells him what's required of someone that's going to follow him. To surrender everything to him. And what does the rich young ruler do? He's saddened. He says he went away with a sad face. He, he left. Now here's where we think, okay, Jesus, run after him, right? <laughs> Go after him. What are you doing? You're just letting him walk away? Go after him. It's incredible to read it. We don't see that happening. Jesus does not run after him. He doesn't try to get him saved right then and there, does he? Why? Because Jesus knows that this young man was not ready yet. Now, we don't, end up, we don't know what happens with this uh, rich young man. Uh, we don't know if eventually one day he came around and, 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 and knew that he really needed the Savior and just gave his life to the Lord. But in this instance right here, he walks away. And Jesus does not chase after him. He doesn't chase after him. Does that surprise you? Well, he knew that the man wasn't ready yet. And I think... 
that many times we have to be careful about when we are sharing our faith with someone else because if we try to force feed them, <laughs> we may do more damage than we ought to. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at this life shape here, the octagon, the eight-sided shape. Now, this doesn't mean you have to memorize all eight of these, okay? So don't get, like, freaked out and say, okay, we just I learned seven last, last week. Remember Mrs. Grin? And, and I know you guys took that back to your science teachers, right? I mean, we, we talked about that last week, right? Anybody remember Mrs. Grin? <laughs> you don't have the life shape up here today, you know? Um, but anyway, yeah, this is not something you have to memorize. Basically, these are the elements of... Of, of, of strategies of, of going about sharing our faith here. But, but these are, you'll, you'll definitely be able to relate to in, in knowing um, um, how to go about this. But the, the main thing that you get out of this message today, the, the driving force behind all this is find, if, if you don't remember anything I said today, remember this, find the person of peace in your life. Okay? Find that person that, that the Holy Spirit has prepared for you that's open to a relationship with you and a relationship with learning about uh, and, and being a part of Christ's kingdom part of uh, being a child of God. Okay, so let's look at, at these different P's. Okay, they're all P's, so maybe that will help you. But let's look at the first one, presence evangelism. All right, this is being Jesus wherever you are. All right, wherever you are located, that you're being Jesus. All right, you're, you're putting on the, you're on, you're the character of Christ wherever you are at. All right, so right now, where you are at right now is in a church building, in a church service, and it's easy to be like Christ right now, isn't it? Say amen. Yeah, it's easy, isn't it? Just wait until you go to your restaurant after this. And the waiter messes up your order three times in a row. Will you still be like Jesus? Okay. Presence evangelism is being Jesus wherever you are. It's like if you are at um, a meeting, um, uh, an office meeting at your work, and uh, the boss slips out to, um, to go handle some, some business and is going to come back in about five minutes and everyone around you is, 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 uh, is criticizing him or, or complaining about this or that or the other, um, are you going to be the person that stays positive about all this? And what if you stay positive about this and you have an unbeliever that's sitting next to you? And what if afterwards that that person comes up to you and say, wow, you know, your attitude throughout all this has been wonderful. Like, how do you do it? And then we have an opening right there, don't we? We have an open door to share why we can act the way we do. Presence evangelism is very powerful. Um, and like when you, even if you go to a restaurant today and you are praying at the table with your family or with your friends, with your church family, think about that, the waiter that notices you praying. Then later on, do you leave them a wimpy tip? Because let me tell you, I've been in the restaurant business and people know about you Christians that come on Sunday. Many of them don't even like to see your face, tell you the truth. Just a little insight. So will you back that up? And it doesn't have to be like a $100 tip or something. That would be cool. But will you back that up? Presence evangelism is powerful. Being Jesus where you are. Let's look at the next one. Passing relationships. These are the people that we meet once or twice in, in our lifetime, okay? I mean, it could be the cashier at the grocery store, a person we sit by on the bus or on a train or wherever it may be, um, somebody that we may never see again. Um, but what you have to ask yourself in that, in that circumstance is, what part do you want me to play in this, God? What, what part do you want me to play in this? How am I to affect this person for you? Um, 
Because I think that a lot of times we may think that we have to get the person saved right then and there. You know, it's a passing relationship, and, and we may say, man, I've got to bring them to Christ before, you know. They may walk down the road and get hit by a car. Yeah, that may be true, you know, um, and we hope that doesn't happen. But remember, God's got all this in control. God's got the plan for these people's lives, right? And you need to understand, what part am I to play in this role? Maybe it is that this person is open to, this is a person of peace, and they're open to having a conversation with me. And they learned that I'm a Christian. But we don't really um, have to go into, into depth about things right now. Maybe it's just an opening conversation. Maybe that will spark something in them to learn more about Christ. And someone else comes along who is a Christian who God has, or the Holy Spirit has prepared, and then will play their part in that. We've got to remind by the scripture, I, I, I shared this scripture last week, but I just want to share it with you again because it um, fits perfectly with this. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5-8, through 8, it says, What after all is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom we came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. Listen to this. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. Isn't that awesome? That you'll be you'll be um, you'll be rewarded for that. That you'll be blessed by that. That that if you just play um, uh, a, a minor role in this person's life, it's a major role to God. Many times we look at we look at it and we say, well, you know, I had a conversation about God with this person, but I didn't get him saved, and we feel guilty about that. No, you may just be part of this process. You've got to look at the big picture. You may be part of this process where someone else is going to come along and invest in this person's life. And, and, um, and, and you know, hopefully that this person will come to know Christ one day. I mean, it would be incredible or somebody invest in their life after they come to know Christ. All right, so those are the passing relationships. What about the permanent relationships? These relationships are your family and close friends, okay? If we looked at passing relationships as a sprint, the permanent relationships would look more like a marathon. Okay, how many of you, you know, don't raise your hand right now, but think about it. How many of you have, have um, people in your family or close friends who don't know the Lord yet? You know, think about, about those relationships. I'm sure the pictures of their faces are popping up in your head right now. And, um, you know, I've got a, a, a great friend of mine who was like my best friend from fourth grade. He was one of those, <laughs> like when I, I moved to a new school when I was in fourth grade and and the first day of class, uh, Mrs. Huber, our fourth grade teacher, I loved her, Mrs. Huber, what a wonderful lady. Uh, she's like, who will show Brandon around uh, the, the playground today? And, and, and Kyle lifts up his hand, you know, and he's like, I'll do it, I'll do it, you know. Little brown noser. But, um, but we, we, we connected instantly. We were like best friends from the start. And we've, we've just stayed in great contact. But, you know, he doesn't know Christ as Savior um, and I feel like it's been a marathon with him. I think it's like just being patient and waiting for the right time. There's times where I've shared Christ with him, but he wasn't able to receive it just yet. Be patient during those relationships. Um, it's tough, but you cannot force it down their throat, especially if they're permanent, a permanent relationship, someone that you're going to see quite often because otherwise they're going to shun you <laughs> and, um, and, and not have anything to hear about. Um, your life in Christ. And so we need to be very uh, delicate about those, those situations there. Um, proclamation, all right? And we say, well, proclaiming the good news is all is just what preachers do. No, 
Nope. No, God uh, has called all of us to do that. And, and it doesn't mean that you have to be loud, okay? It doesn't mean that you have to um, uh, stand on the street corner and preach. What it does mean is that you do need to open your mouth. You do have to speak, okay? And that's according to your personality. God doesn't want you to be someone that you're not, but God does want you to speak up at some point in your life. Uh, and remember that this has become natural, okay, in these relationships. Find the person of peace in your life. There's someone that, that is going to be open to, to a conversation with you. And so um, with proclamation, you, you, you may, um, it may be as simple as just sharing what God has done in your life, okay? Um, but sadly, I think so many Christians will never open their mouth and share about Christ. And you may, and that's mind-boggling to me because I, I think about, well, how did you come to know Christ? Someone had to speak something, right? Some, some, something, some, somewhere along the line, someone had to have touched your life by speaking up. And so do the same. It's like the uh, little girl who treated her mother badly because she was ashamed of her. Her mother had a big, ugly scar on her face. She looked horrible. The little girl would never bring her friends around because of the scar on her mother's face. She would never invite her mother to school functions because of the scar on her face. Her mother finally asked her, Honey, why don't you ever bring your friends around? Why don't you ever invite me to anything? And she said, Mama, it's the scar on your face. I can't bear to introduce you to others. Her mother said, Sit down, darling. Let me tell you something I've never told you about the scar on my face. One day I went out to draw water when you were a little girl, and when I looked back from the, from the well, I saw the house was on fire. I rushed back in, dropped my water, and came and grabbed you, my little baby, out of the crib. The fire was engulfing you, but I got there just in the nick of time. On my way out of the house, one of the beams on, of the house collapsed and hit me across the face. It knocked me to the ground and seethed on my face for a period of time before I could get it off but I was able to throw you to safety. I just wanted you to know that the next time you don't want your friends around to see me, that the only reason I have a scar on my face is because I was saving your life. I think Jesus has some scars on his hands, doesn't he? He's got some scars on his feet. He even has a scar on his side. Um, you and I were on our way to hell. But Jesus looked down and said to the Father, let me go in place of him. Let me go in place of her. And he extended himself upon the cross and took the punishment for your sin and my sin. And so the next time you don't want to tell anybody about him, just remember the scars that he has. The next time you don't want to be his disciple, just remember the scars that Jesus has bears. The next time that you want to turn away from him, just remember the scars of Jesus Christ. Okay. But when you remember, tell him that you're going to follow him the rest of your of your life. Remember remember Romans one sixteen? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Is anyone ashamed of the gospel here? I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. So let's go to the next one here, power. Do you believe God still does miracles? Because there will be opportunities when, 
when God uses awe-inspiring moments to open up someone to hear the gospel. I think about the situation in Haiti right now, and I even heard reports just recently that, that even though they're going to um, uh, quit the, uh, the relief, uh, or not the relief, but, but uh, the, the efforts of pulling people out of the rubble, that they've still pulled some people out of the rubble who are still alive. That is incredible. Well, it's been a couple weeks now. I mean, it's one thing to go without food, but to go without water for that long, being stuck under rubble, that is crushing you and to still be alive. There are um, missionaries that are representing all types of denominations that are in Haiti right now that have one of the greatest opportunities to evangelize. Imagine pulling someone out of the rubble that's been there for two weeks. It's a miracle that that person is still alive. God has kept them alive for some reason. And so God will use these, these powerful moments, these awe-inspiring moments for people to be able to be receptive to the gospel. And then let's look at perception. When you're engaging in conversation with someone, um, feel the temperature of, of them. Are they hot? Are they warm? Are they cold? And I think about if you're golfing with your buddies or something like that, and you have, or golfing with friends from work, and you have some people there that are non-believers, are they open to hearing a little bit about your story? I, kind of um, feel out the waters there, the perception. There's also preparation in this. Be prepared to start your day. Pray that God would lead you to a person of peace. Let me tell you, if you pray that prayer, God will make it happen. God will bring someone in your path today. If you even pray it right now, as silently as you're listening to me preach, if you pray that, I guarantee you, God is going to bring someone into your path today where you can learn to start to open up and share your faith with someone else. But you've got to be prepared for it. Um, then the last P is simply the person of peace, which we'll all talk about, uh, and that is to find the person of peace, the one the Holy Spirit has prepared for you to be able to um, come into your path and to learn more about um, Christ and, and, and building a relationship with him, engage into that relationship, and remember just to leave the results up to God. Uh, all of this that we've talked about here today reminds me a lot of the U.S. soldiers when they come home from a war. Uh, when they come home from a war, we know that uh, the lo- their loved ones and everyone else is waiting for them at the airport, aren't they? It's always a beautiful scene. If you've seen it on TV or if you've been in, the r- in person or if you know someone that is a soldier who has come back from the war and you're waiting on that person and you see as a soldier arrives, arrives all these people that are waiting there waiting to embrace that man, that woman, and to let them know how much they love them. Imagine what it would be like one day when you go home to be with the Lord. And at the gates, there are all these people that you have influenced in one way or another for Christ, that you played a part in the process of their coming to know Jesus Christ and to living with Him forever. For eternity. What a sight that's going to be to be able to see all those people that you were able to influence because of what God has given you. So think about that today. Don't let evangelism scare you. Be yourself, but be the person God called you to be. Find the person of peace. Find that person who is open. All right? Um, 
what we're going to do now is we are going to go into um, I lost my sheet here. here. We're going to have the worship band come up at this time as we go into um, into our time of communion. As this song is played, um, I want you to simply close your eyes and reflect upon what Christ has done in your life. Think about the scars on his hands and his feet and his side. Think about the blood that was shed, his body that was broken for you. And think about the relationships that God has put in your life. Think about the, the awesome times of how God has brought you through a mess. Think about your Redeemer, your Savior, your King, your Lord, the Holy One. So take this time to just close your eyes, reflect upon Him, take any prayer posture that you would like. Thank Him today. Thank Him. Get your heart ready to receive these sacraments here in a few moments. Lord, how we are amazed by you. We love you, Father. There is none like you. There is no other God beside you. And we serve no one but you, Lord. We give you our hearts and we give you everything we have to give today, Father. We pray that during this time of remembering your your, uh, sacrifice for our life, Lord, that we would never take it for granted. We allow that to just... uh, Motivate us to live each day with a purpose, to never waste the time that you've given us, and to be a blessing to others as you have blessed us. We give you this day, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. congregate toward the center aisle. Um, We'll tear off a piece of the bread representing Christ's body broken for you, and then choose whichever side you would like to go to to dip it into uh, the grape juice, which represents the blood of Jesus Christ shed for you. Okay. Body and blood.
before the band plays this last song, um, we're going to take up our tithes and offerings during this time. Remember, that is a wonderful um, act of worship um, that uh, we want to um, um, give back to the Lord all that he has given to us. We can't even give back, <laughs> but but in such a way that make it a time of worship for you during this time of offering. And uh, also during this time of offering and, and during the times uh, of the weeks to come, um, it will be an opportunity, you can do that then and even before and after service, uh, to take your nameplate and we have the, um, the staple thing, majiggers, whatever they're called, on both walls here, and that uh, you'd be able to put your name under one of these clusters to let the church know you're going to be committed to one of these. So if you're not decided today, you can do it next week, the week after, leading up to our time of the cluster kickoff, all right? All right, bless you guys. Let's have a wonderful last song of worship.